It is time once again for another episode of the Apple Circle podcast. We've got some news to talk about, some good news and some bad news, some confusing news. This has been a very abnormal year for Apple news, and we'll get on uh, more of that subject in a moment. But first, of course, before we jump into the news and everything we're going to talk about today... We want to hear from you guys. As always, we love your feedback. We love your questions, your comments. Do you want to ask us what you should buy, what you shouldn't buy? Should you wait for WWDC before you get a new MacBook Air? Let us know. Drop us a line at the Apple Circle hotline. That number is 949-354-3508. You can also tweet us on Twitter with the Apple Circle. You can check out our YouTube channel for this podcast, which is called the Apple Circle Podcast. And uh, that is a lot of uh, different ways to connect with us because we want to hear from you guys and uh, we can get connected and talk together. As always, I'm joined by uh, the co-host to this podcast, this wonderful podcast, Matt Gonzalez. Matt, how are you doing this week? How is uh, everything in your uh, snowy neck of the woods? Is it still snowing there? <laughs> oh, it it's crazy. It was like it was like 70, 80 last week. And then yesterday we woke up to two inches of snow on the ground and like snowing all day but looks like it's sunny today finally everything's melting so hopefully we're back on that spring track but yeah no everything's good um i redid my setup you can't see it because we're not sharing the video but for everyone watching uh i redid my setup once again which i i think i mentioned a few episodes ago I, it was only a matter of time before i did it again and i did and i think i'll stick with the, to this one a, long, a lot longer because I, I love it um i want to see it other thing yeah, you'll, you'll have to watch the uh, video. Another <laughs> thing is, I mentioned this last week as well, that I got the Apple keyboard with the Touch ID sensor built in. Uh, but I was as I did that, I was wondering why I did that, because I also ordered this other keyboard. And I might be returning that Touch ID one just because this one came in and I absolutely love it. This is the Nufi, uh, Nufi Air 75. So you may have seen this floating around. This is kind of the latest and greatest of the mechanical keyboards for Mac specifically. I mean, it works with Windows also. You have the different keycaps you can switch out, but it really comes as a Mac keyboard. Hmm. And <clears throat> I don't know. Have you heard of this keyboard? I haven't, but I'm looking at the Amazon page for it now. It looks cool. And I love they have the picture that it is like the exact size of the MacBook Pro keyboard. Yep, exactly. Which is yep. nice so because... So you can actually place it on your MacBook if wow. you like the mechanical keyboard. Huh. Yeah, so... So how do you like it? So it's act, it's not a full-size mechanical keyboard. So it's a, um, and what I mean by that is instead of using full-size switches, they're slim switches. That was something I was worried about because, you know, I like the full-size mechanical switches. But I was just getting tired of the, what's the other brand? The Keychron. They were great. Keychron, but yeah. I just, like you mentioned, you were getting tired of yours. You switched away from it. Um, I was in the same boat for multiple different reasons. So far, I absolutely love this keyboard. It's my favorite keyboard I've ever had. I can't remember which switches I got because... I don't. I think I got blue, Gatoron blue. But they're. Let me just give you a little uh, sound test. They sound so nice. Let me turn it off real quick, just so I don't mess anything up. But like they're. Pre, I think they're pre-lubricated. Like they're very soft, very linear, very. I, I just love it. This is a keyboard that I'm very happy with, and I think I'm going to be using for a long time coming. And I also like the way it looks. It has RGB, but I turned all that stuff off because I really just don't care. Another great thing that the Keychron doesn't do that this does is, so this does go to sleep. Obviously, it's a Bluetooth keyboard with a battery built in, so it needs to go to sleep so it doesn't keep draining it all night. But the wake time is extremely fast. And also, it doesn't go to sleep immediately. The Keychron, like, it goes to sleep within mm. five minutes, right? You could change that, but, like, default settings, it goes to sleep super fast. This one doesn't, and I have yet to charge it. I didn't even charge it when I got it. I've just been using it. No problems. It's been a week. Yeah, basically a week since I've been using it. 
no battery issues, no anything is it's great. I love it. So I think if you're in the market for a new keyboard, this is definitely one worth considering. I think they just released a smaller version. This is a 85. What do they, what do they call it? Yeah. 84 key. What, what's the word for that? It's a 10 keyless. I think that's what they yeah, call 10 it. 10 keyless. Um, they released one that doesn't have, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know all the t- keyboard terms, but uh, it, it's a little smaller than that. It doesn't have the like number, the function row key. It's like integrated with the numbers, that kind of stuff. Um, so check it out. It is back ordered usually. Uh, that's why it took forever for me to get it, but worth, worth it so far. I'm loving it. We'll try to put a link to that. We're going to put a link to all our recommendations down below. I know we did. That's a good idea. We didn't yeah. do that the other day and then people were very upset. They're like, well, you talked about that screen protector and you didn't put a link. So this week we'll oh. try to put a link to that. We'll put a link to <laughs> yeah, the Apple totally keyboard. Forgot. And then I, again, like Matt mentioned, I'm using the MX keys, which I really like this keyboard. And I should say the Keychron keyboard, they make, they're coming out with more keyboards. Like every couple of weeks, they've got a new model. They're nice keyboards. They're built well. Yeah, they're um, really good. I liked it so much that I spilled coffee all over my first one and I bought another one. I think it was the K4, K2, it was the K2. Uh, built well. I just found that like after a while, I had battery issues. I had connectivity issues. Um, the sleep issues, like you said, Matt, it was kind of took a while for it to wake up. And then I just found that my fingers were fatigued after a lot of typing. Like at the end of the day, it was just a lot to do those full-size mechanical keys, yep. which I like a lot, but it's too much. I picked up the MX keys um, which sort of has um, a very uh, sort of similar traditional keyboard layout. It's kind of got the uh, circular indentations in there for your fingers to rest on. Uh, good amount of key travel. I got the little um, keypad here, a number pad on the other side too. Built well. I like it. And Logitech obviously makes some great stuff. So uh, oh, yeah, we will definitely. leave a link to all our recommendations down below. But here's a thing for you, Matt. Have you heard of people who don't use the Magic Keyboard with Touch ID um, exclusively but they're like Velcroing it under their desk so that they can just use the Touch ID sensor for when they actually need to authenticate oh. with Touch ID. All right. I already have it, and I'm going to do that There today. you go. That is, that, that, is was, a, uh, that is a hack right there for sure. That is, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. If only Apple would make an independent uh, Touch ID sensor, that would be great. But in the, or now the next best thing well, is the this, keyboard. Yeah, this wouldn't really work for our setups, but the other solution would be building Face ID, so you don't even need to worry about that. But that, that, ooh, that would be a good idea. What if they built, you know, back in the day they had the eyesight webcam. What if they built a new version of that? Because like the XDR doesn't come with a webcam, so them making a webcam is not the craziest thing in the world. What if they did that and it had the Face ID sensors built in, so you could just add it to anything? That'd be kind of nice. You know, there are like a number of Apple products that have been discontinued. That would be great to see their return. Like some of them don't make sense. Like I don't think like XServe, like Apple needs to get back into the server game and make their own thing, but. I do think that the airport extreme and the, or I guess the airport line and the time capsule line, there's been a lot of talk about how it's now is like the perfect time for Apple to re-enter that business because when Apple, you know, for, I guess for those who don't know, airport was the line of Apple wireless routers. So there was the airport extreme, which was sort of the bigger one. There was the airport express, which were tiny. Actually for a time, there were the airport expresses that looked like little Apple TVs. They were like white little pucks that were Apple uh, uh, airport uh, repeaters or little uh, routers that you could use as a repeater or was cool. So cool is you could plug speakers into the back of them, there yeah, was like a little headphone cool. jack out, and you could use it as an AirPlay speaker. Um, it was before AirPlay, though. Or oh, did you, you use AirPlay? I think it I was just like a wireless I don't know if it was AirPlay 1. I don't know how maybe, it was. Maybe, but, maybe. but no, um, it was a cool feature, though. Yeah, that was, that was they a nice were, thing. And they were like not 
don't know if they were relatively cheap. I don't. I can't remember they what the prices cheap, were, but they were good. Seventy bucks, maybe. Yeah, and then the whole beauty of that was that they were very easy to set up. All the Macs. I still think they come with them today. Was the airport utility? It would help you sort of set it up. It was super easy. And then there was the time capsule, which was like the airport extreme. So the router, but with a hard drive built in. And the beauty of that was that you could back up all your Macs wirelessly or wired to the time capsule, which would sort of be your time machine backup, which I feel like when was the last time Apple talked about time machine, which is weird because like that yeah, is like it's like a decently good uh, backup solution. It's like the only official backup solution they have. Um, but that was like a really cool system. And my parents actually still use an airport extreme, not for the wireless capabilities, but just as the router, it still sits there. It's still running good. Um, but when you see like the Eros and the ubiquities and the Orbeez of the world today, it would be nice for Apple to come out with their own Wi-Fi system that was just dead simple to use. You plugged it in, it just worked all the stuff auto configured, um, Kind of like you said, you know, the eyesight camera and Apple bringing things back. Maybe there is something to Apple bringing back some of these older products and uh, really sort of delivering a really compelling option, an easy option, because now even the easiest systems still aren't so easy. And I feel like Apple has such a great reputation for ease of use and install that, you know, my grandparents, for example, or even my parents, it's like, hey, go to the Apple store, buy this, just, you know, plug it in, look on your phone, it'll walk you through the process. I feel like routers and printers like are very complicated. Yeah, like you just pops up on your iPhone, easy to set. That up. would be that would be quieter. Cool. Do you think Apple would ever re-enter that space? I mean, they re-entered the display business, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, do you think we could ever see that, or do you think Apple's just sort of they're out of some of those industries for good? Uh, I think if there was a way for them to really do something disruptive, then maybe they would. But if it was just the ease of use of setting up, I don't think so. Because like things like the Eero, which that's what I use. I use the latest. Euro Pro with the Wi-Fi 6 and everything, and it's super easy to set up. Anyone could really do it. It's kind of the same similar process as if Apple were to do it. It's kind of similar. Um, so I don't know if they would really do it unless there was some kind of new wireless technology they partner with a company with to kind of, you know, how they partner with Intel to bring Lightning or, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe if they did that and it was like the Apple was the flagship product to introduce it, then maybe, but yeah, I don't think they'll get into it. Although I would like to see it. I never actually used the airport anything for uh, for anything i always used like asus or uh, linksys or you know what i had i had a couple um i know like some relatives of mine still use the airport uh, or the time capsule uh which still works even though the hard drive in there's probably going to go bad very soon <laughs> uh my parents like i said they still use the airport extreme it just it's a fine like router but i wonder like how much the volume of Apple support calls decreased once people stopped buying those exactly, because you've got yeah. to imagine that, man, the amount of time and effort and Apple, you know, they do a very good job with the support. They're very friendly and knowledgeable, but it's like any ISP would tell you anybody really with any tech support that I feel like the internet, the modem, the router, those are just like a nightmare to support. And someone could have an issue with their computer or their internet service could be down or there's an issue with the modem. But because Apple is the you know logo on the box of their internet or what they think is the internet, they're going to call them and start doing diagnostics and support. And I feel like that could just be a nightmare. I'm not sure if Apple takes that into account when they release products, but I, I'd, I I've got to imagine surprised. that it was uh, a headache for people every single day to be like, oh, here we got an airport call. What's going to be wrong here? And oh, it just sounds like a mess. Yeah, no, definitely. It's I was thinking that too, because no matter what Apple does, no matter how good the product is at a certain point, something's going to go wrong. And maybe a simple restart will fix it. But if you don't know that, I mean, it's like, I mean, what do you do? You don't, 
Because on one hand, you know, maybe a restart will fix it, so it's super easy. But on the other hand, you don't have internet, so you can't even look up if that's what you need to do. So it's like, it's just a mess. So yeah, you'll eventually just be calling Apple. I guess maybe, I mean, maybe there's a way for Apple to do some kind of smart diagnostic on your phone where you go into the home app, check your router, and it tells you, okay, here's the issue. It's actually from your modem. We're not receiving Mm. a signal. And it says it like in plain English instead of, you know, us who are more familiar, we can actually tell that kind of stuff. Like, okay, the router is up and running. I can tell that. But the light is blinking from the internet, which means there's something wrong with the internet. You know, we could figure that out. But if you don't know that, you don't know what the blinking light means, right? So maybe there's a way to do like plain English tech support in the home app. But do they really need? I mean, maybe they could do that anything with anything, because like, like Eero connects yeah. to HomeKit. Maybe there's a way to actually do that. I don't, I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, there's certainly a case to be made that it would be great for them to enter it, and like, there's you know, there's a privacy approach and a security approach that they could really take. But also, it's like at the end of the day, if the R and D money is flowing, where does it flow? Is that really a good return on investment? I'd probably say no. I don't really know how well those sold. So maybe it's just wishful thinking on our part. But um, anyways. Getting into the news for this week, uh, like most weeks, not a whole lot, unfortunately, <laughs> but we did get a couple of interesting tidbits. Um, speaking of sort of upcoming events, we talked about WWDC last week. We talked about what hardware we could see, if any. Um, not a whole lot has changed on that. But while I was doing research for a Apple Circle video, I love to go to Mac Rumors and look at their roundups because they always do a really good job of like telling you, here's all the info we know. We've compiled all the rumors together. And like usually the pages are like pretty long of like, here's all, everything we know and here's what uh, to expect. When I went to the iOS 16 page, and you can go to it right now, <laughs> it is um, pretty sad. It's abysmal because yeah. there's nothing on there because there is so little we actually know about what could be happening. And Mark Ehrman from Bloomberg gave us a little bit of insight as to what we could see. Basically, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, no substantial redesign is predicted for this year, but I think he mentioned something like maybe better notification management. Yeah, Um, so here's here's what he said. He said, on the iOS side, I'm looking for some fairly significant enhancements across the board, including an update to notifications and new health tracking features. Um, Not expecting end-to-end redesign, even though it's 10 years old, um, and there might also be a new iPadOS multitasking interface. So that is pretty lame. Although he does say a pretty significant enhancement across the board. So what does that mean? Does that mean enhancement in stability since there's not going to be very many feature changes? Does that mean there's going to be features that we just don't know about yet? Um, We just don't know. There's, (laughs) There's never really that much rumors about iOS. Yeah, I don't know. And it's like every year we always kind of don't know, like, is it going to be a huge redesign? Is it not? And I think that, you know, everybody... With the hardware and the software of the iPhone, they always think about those big years, like the leap from the 7 to the 10, or what was the big redesign? Was it iOS 7 that got the big redesign from 6 to 7, which was a little controversial? I think that it would just be nice to see, maybe, I guess that's the other question too, is do people care more about the looks or the stability? Because Apple could make it look totally different and like give us a fresh coat of paint and that would be cool, but maybe it's not so stable. Or what they've continued to do sort of lately is stability, stability, make it more stable. Uh, But I feel like it just... Widgets are nice, but there's just something about iOS that feels very tired. It's the same app layout. It's the same sort of levels of customization we've had. It's just the same thing. Maybe, I don't know if I really want uh, app icon refreshes or if there's something with the display. I think for me, it's like I'd love to see the home screen get uh, sort of reimagined because that really has not changed at all. It's the time, it's the date, and that's it. 
Um, mm-hmm. It'd be nice to sort of have better customizations with the um, different elements. And I don't know what other specific things I'd like to see, but I just feel like it just, it feels very same old, same old. I, I don't know what else to call it. It just, it feels like there just needs to be some kind of substantial refresh to come. And every year we think it's going to come. And again, this year in 2022, just doesn't seem like it's going to happen this year. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's a few things that I think could happen. Um, well, okay. Actually, let me, re- let me rephrase that. Here are some things that I think would be good updates to iOS that I don't think will happen. Uh, first, Siri needs to get updated, mm. which back a few years ago, that was all the rumors that they hired the guy from Google um, that was in charge of Google Assistant and now works at Apple. I don't know. Maybe he left. I don't, I don't remember what happened with that. Um, but we're, everyone was like, oh, Siri's going to get a really good improvement now because they're really working on it. And that was kind of the rumors that they were really going to do an overhaul on Siri and nothing's happened with that. Uh, maybe it would be nice to see that finally happen. I use Siri quite often, and I like it, and it works pretty well. I, I, I'm still, um, I'm still in the boat of people used it a long time ago and it sucked, and now they just don't use it anymore and still think it sucks. I think it's okay. It's not as good as Google Assistant, but I think it's okay. But it could still use a lot of improvements. Um, so that's one thing, but I don't expect that to happen. Another thing would be. Um, I, I kind of agree with you, the home screen. I don't think it needs a full, like, we don't need to get new icons or anything like that. Although that maybe would be nice, but I don't really care about that too much. But one that I would like would just be able to rearrange the home screen however you'd like, whether you want the icons at the bottom or you want them on the side or you want them on the top or just wherever. If the grid and if the grid allows you to put an app there in grid view, well, just let me do that without having anything on top of it. I think that would be nice. Another thing would be... <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, some new some new widget sizes, but specifically for the iPhone, we got the bigger, the super huge one for the iPad. But on the iPhone, I'd like to see either a two by one or a one by one, so that for the weather, for instance, I don't need that taking up my whole screen. But I would like you know to see what the current temperature is, maybe. So that'd be nice, you know, just have a single icon that is a widget. Kind of cool. I know people have been wanting the widgets to be interactive. Also, mm-hmm. not something I really care about too much because of the widgets I personally use, but. It could be nice. Like, for instance, actually, I take that back. There's one widget I use that would be nice, which is um, I use Things 3 for reminders and, like, to-do lists and stuff like that. So that would be nice to just check it off in the widget instead of having to open it up every single time. Um, and then I'm trying to think of what else. So they did. Uh, German did say that possible updates to notifications. I'm not really sure what that even is like what does that yeah. mean i'm not sure what i would everyone always complains about notifications but i'm not sure what they would want changed are you in that boat like do you want changes to notifications i don't know because didn't they just do recently or somewhat recently one, yeah. an overhaul of notifications yep. i feel like it's fine uh, honestly and it's funny to uh, talk about notifications is i feel like i've had a weird issue the past couple of days where i'm not getting notifications and that always seems to be like why do notifications sometimes not come in um but I don't know what else they could do. I don't know what else they could do to. I, I don't know what when they say notification kind of thing. I, I don't know what that what kind of upgrade oh, that means. There's one update that I saw in the comments of this article on Mac Rumors. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, that I would love, and this is notification. Jeez, can't even talk. Notification syncing across devices. If they're on the same iCloud device, and I already dismissed this mm. DoorDash order, that's a good get one. Rid of, get rid of it on my iPad, or more specifically, is messages. So for iMessage, it does great, but when you sync your SMSs through your iPhone, and you know you can do that on your iPad or your Mac, those notifications don't go away. 
just let that happen, please. Like I, I, if I take care of it on my iPhone or I take care of, care of it on my iPad, obviously I've seen it, so it doesn't need to be on every device anymore. That'd be one. That is an excellent, because you know what? I see that every single day, it's like I pick up my iPad, I got a bunch of notifications of things uh, I've already cleared on my phone. That would be one thing. I don't know what else, because you can already sort of do, like with messages, you can like kind of hold down and do like replies. And I don't know what an overhaul of the notifications really means. And I know with the health stuff, there's going to be, I think, medication reminders or pill reminders, which is yeah, good. Those are good. Yeah, uh, nothing but wrong with that. It's just, it, there's always the question of, okay, do we know so little because the upgrade's going to be huge and Apple just did a really good job hiding it this year and like they've really kept it out of the leaks? Or is it just really going to be very insignificant and there's not a whole lot to report on? It seems like it's going to be the latter, not the former. Maybe we're wrong, but I just feel like does it sort of just feel like, I don't want to say Apple's not working on things and making improvements, but it just sort of feels like we're just sort of going through the motions every year with a couple of things. And like, they'll talk about things that like don't really launch, like the uh, state ID stuff is starting to slowly roll out. The car key yeah. stuff seems to be in very limited release. Like, I, I almost feel like they're putting time and effort into things and giving precious keynote time away to stuff that really a very small number of people actually use. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, be, me being pessimistic, but... I don't know. Well, I mean, they're all things that I would like to use, but they're just not quite there yet. And it's like, let's make them available before we start doing all kinds of other stuff. But a lot of these are kind of out of their hands. Like, for instance, the car keys. Well, cars have to build those in for it to actually work. So that that's one thing. The other, like for the state IDs, well, the government has to approve them and actually roll that out. And, and then at the same time, it's like, okay, maybe technically it works, but do I want to be traveling with only my digital ID <laughs> where... Okay, it works like I think it's available in Arizona or something like that. Some some state like that. Um, and okay, fine, works here. But then I go fly, and I'm so used to using my digital ID that I forget my physical ID, and then now I go somewhere that doesn't take it. Like, maybe, is there kind of some kind of issue there? It's like so. At that point, I'm just like, well, I'll just use my regular ID. I have no problem with that. I've been doing that forever. And yeah, so it's like those kind of things. But I will say, I, I kind of. I was always in the same boat as you were, you know, they always do these announcements and they do the video where they show everyone using all these new features. I'm like, no one really lives their life that way. Like, I'm not going to like, I don't need to, when I get into the car every single day, put my navigation up on my screen. I know how to get home. I do this commute every <laughs> single day. The traffic patterns don't change that often. Like, I don't, you know, that those kind of things, like, I don't know who really lives like that. Maybe people do. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm just not like that. But one area where... I finally gave in. I was like, maybe I just need to give Apple a chance here. Maybe they have a good idea. And that's with focus modes. So apparently, apparently focus modes are getting another an update in um, iOS 16. No huge word on what that's going to be. But basically, the basically a focus mode uh, turns on and off certain features of your phone during a particular task. So for instance, if you're at work, if you're at home, if you're in do not disturb mode, or if you're driving, those kind of things, if you activate the focus mode, you're going to be more focused so that only certain apps appear. So only um, certain notifications come through. Um, and there's certain toggles that you can do to make those focus modes better or worse. Um, and apparently we're going to get more toggles to kind of get more customization in these focus modes. 
I didn't use focus modes since they were announced because I just thought like, I don't, why do I need that? I know how to use my phone. I know where everything is, but I thought, you know, let me give it a shot. Maybe I will actually be a little bit more productive um, and, and maybe they'll work. So I, what I did is I set up a work focus mode. Um, so it has a completely new home screen and basically <laughs> my calendar, I have the biggest calendar widget for Fantastical at the top, which normally I would think is super ugly, but during the work day, it's actually important. That's something I need to look at. <clears throat> so I just put it and then I also have my reminders or my to-do list as another widget and then I have my four uh, apps that I use which includes like social media and telegram and that kind of stuff so it's like basically all work focused everything else I need is in the app library or I also have a few things in the um, today view widget widget section if you swipe to the left um, so that's that's what I made as a home screen. And I set it to activate every day at 9am, which is when we start work and it deactivates at five every day. So when it deactivates, it goes back to my traditional, you know, home screen setup that is very minimal and doesn't have very many apps on it. Cause that's just how I like my phone. So that's cool. I like that. It's, it, is it really doing much for me? I don't know, but I like that. I don't have to think about it. And then now when it's time to work, all my work stuff is there. Uh, my notifications are coming through. Everything's good there cross syncs between devices. So it happens on my Mac as well, even though I don't have anything set up on my Mac for it, but it, it turns it on on my Mac. Same thing on my iPad. I had, I did the same thing on my iPad where it's a, a work view. Um, another one is for driving, which I haven't really set up cause I just don't really need it. But, um, the driving one is you can set it up so that when it detects it connects to your Bluetooth in your car or CarPlay, for instance, then it'll automatically activate the driving mode. It'll turn off some notifications. It can even tell people that you are driving so that you don't like seem like a jerk. If you're driving for a long time, you just never reply. Um, you know, there, it's cool. There's some things in there that I'd never really thought I would want to use, but now that I'm using them, I, I'm happy with them. And <clears throat> geez, like my, uh, my little cough is coming back, but, um, I, I like these features and I, I think the one thing that's wrong with them is that there's not enough triggers. So this update or this supposed update that we might be seeing in iOS 16, I'm all for. So one of the issues is for instance, for the car, I want to be able to make my own, there's only, there's like certain limitations. Like for instance, I want my own homepage in the car, but it doesn't let you select a homepage because I guess you're in the car. So why would you need a homepage? That's that's it's logical thinking, but I don't have CarPlay. So I do want like I want a big widget of maps. I want a big widget of like the phone call or you know, something like that. Um, but it doesn't let you do that. So I was like, OK, I'll make my own focus mode, but then you can't set it to activate when it detects Bluetooth. So it's like there's limitations like that. I just want mm. those to be lifted. Yeah, I don't know. Have you messed around with focus modes? That's how I, I You know what? The only time I actually messed with it was while you were talking about your work focus mode. I was going in there into the settings and trying to see if I could build one out. I haven't. I just, it's one of those things where twofold. One is I just haven't had the need to get in there and had the time to customize things and get things uh, set up. Yeah, that's And also I just have <laughs> this irrational fear that I'm going to miss a notification that is important, which I know you can allow notifications through and that probably won't happen, but... I'm like, oh, if I mess with something, then I'm going to miss something. And I just, I, I've just never gone through. The, the only mode I have is just sort of the regular sleep mode that just sort of turns on at night oh, and sort of mode. disables yeah. notifications. I just, I've never gone in there and done the focus mode, but maybe you've inspired me that I should. So now I got to go I in there and tinker because out, yeah. it would be nice to have, like you said, like, okay, during the workday, give me the big calendar view of everything going on. Give me telegram notifications sort of first and foremost, sort of hide like um, any 
app junk that I don't need. That would be sort of nice and just something I haven't dug into. And like Apple spent a lot of time uh, WWDC last year talking about it. And I just feel like curious how many people actually use it. Because I know when it first launched, there were a lot of people building out their modes and this and that. But I wonder uh, how many people these days actually use it. Yeah, the, I'm not sure. I, I don't know anyone that uses it personally. So I, I got to get on it. Maybe there's a lot of people out there that secretly use them. But yeah, I, I don't. I will say the other one that I forgot about, which I, I didn't think about as a focus mode, but it is, is sleep. That is one that I just never use because I'm one of those people that when I set my alarm in the morning, I set like 20 alarms because I'm just <laughs> so paranoid. And I'm not going to wake up. Um, don't you not set an alarm? Is that you? I don't. I always just wake up. Oh, I mean, well, now with the baby I, I too, she's this. up. She is well, my okay, alarm because sure. she wakes yeah, up at six. That makes sense. But before that, I just like I, my body just sort of always woke up and I never <laughs> needed one. But I do like sort of I get like a lot of like annoying, like, you know, whatever it is at night, like emails come in or whatever. Yeah, like it stuff. is nice just to have that sleep mode turn on automatically. You don't have anything coming on. And see, that I think is good. But I almost wonder, like, do you really think all the time and effort and everything that went into focus modes? Because they spent a lot of time on it, especially at the keynote, I'm sure a lot of R&D time. Do you think that was really worth it? Or do you think they could have built something else that would have been better and more usable? Um, what what would you think that they could, could I don't, have done? That thing is, I don't know. And <laughs> it's a very, it's a personal preference. Cause I, like I said, I'm sure many people out there use them. But I just like, I guess to me, it's like, I'm not going to use them. So I feel like why it's kind of a waste there. But I guess, you know what? Maybe it's just a Give case a of it, it taking a little bit more time because that was the thing too with, with widgets. It's like when widgets first launched, there wasn't a lot of support and the widgets kind of sucked. But now, um, if you haven't checked recently, there's a lot of good widgets uh, yep. supported by the apps on your phone. And I love widgets. I love the weather widget. I got, like you said, the Fantastico widget and got that. And then on my other page, I've got a sort of a different Google Calendar view. Widgets are really cool and it would be nice. I, I'd like interactive widgets and then just some way to, and this always comes up, move the apps around freely or have a little bit more control. I would just, I hate the rigidity of the app layout on iOS. That would be nice to sort of get rid of and change. That would be nice to see. Yeah, I agree. And I think this, let me refresh this page. It's like using too much memory. I hate when that happens. Um, but one of well, this comment here, I think kind of encompasses my thoughts on iOS, iOS 16 and just future iOS is going forward. And I think you'll, you'll agree with this comment. It says, I don't necessarily think iOS needs a massive overhaul, kind of like it the way it is, but prove me wrong. So Apple, prove us wrong. Like we like we can't think of anything that there is to, that we really want. There's a few little tweaks here and there, but if we're gonna do something big, there's something there. I don't know what it is, but I think that's Apple's job to prove us, to prove to us why we need something different. I don't know. Do you agree with that? I agree, and I like I said, I'm. I'm a horrible critic because I don't know what I want, but I know I want something different. And there are a lot of incredible people at Apple working on this. And I have no doubt that, you know, the stuff they're doing is great. It's just, I don't know. I, just, I think that a, a fresh coat of paint in some areas could go a really long way. And I think that as the iPhone's design sort of evolves and changes and any little design change is a big deal, I think with iOS, some kind of design change, whether it's an always-on display or it's something with the home screen or the lock screen, little things like that would be a big deal. And it's I think it's about time that Apple change something up at least a little bit, at least give us the option to change it a little bit because it's been about the same. I mean, the last big change to the lock screen was what? The slide to unlock to swipe up to unlock or whatever it used to be uh, or... I mean, yeah, it's been a maybe while. Maybe the tap to un tap to wake. Maybe yeah. like yeah, it's been. But it's from the iPhone 6s, you know, seven, eight days. So it's it's been a while. Yeah. So that's about what we know with iOS 16. Um, 
with well, watchOS. Oh, go ahead. Well, before before we get to watchOS, there's one very, very disappointing sentence from German here, but there might be a new iPadOS multitasking interface. And the fact that that is what is of note of <laughs> iPadOS, oh, that is just, that's as disappointing I as mean, it gets. I mean, it doesn't look like a good year for iPadOS. I, again, I, we've talked about this before. I don't know why why the iPad is so limited by its software, because it's not hardware limitations, it's strictly software, but yeah. okay, so you got better multitasking, better multi-window support, that's it? It's I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say. I just am very disappointed by sort of the limitations Apple chooses to put on the iPad because of software. Yeah, but maybe that's just what he knows about, and maybe there's something behind the scenes that's super secret under wraps or something, but I'm not holding my breath, especially now that we're getting a little bit of rumors uh, about what we might see, it seems like it's just going to be another boring year. But what were you saying about WatchOS? Let's go talk about that. So we don't. I don't know if we know the specifics on the software. I'm assuming that whatever health features come into the health app on the iPhone will, in part, translate to WatchOS. Like the pill reminder stuff is probably going to come in, and that's cool. And I think we're supposed to see better, maybe better health or fitness tracking. Um, one tidbit that was worth noting was from Mark Ehrman, uh, did a spaces on Twitter, his little, he's been doing spaces regularly. He did one with, uh, Nilay Patel. He did one with Marquez. Uh, I don't know who was the guest this past one, but, um, let's see, Vadim here from Max Tech, he noted that in that spaces, uh, Gurman mentioned that the Series 8, how they're supposed to be the Explorer edition, the Rugged edition, he says that's going to be, according to Gurman, a high-end model, not a budget model. Health upgrades, low power mode are coming. New watch OS will refresh older watch faces. So it seems like maybe in terms of software, some new watch faces, which every year, okay, I guess this is a couple different conversations. One is that when in the world are we going to let third-party developers make watch faces? Because that's still the biggest limitation of the Apple Watch because those watch faces are kind of boring. And also I'm excited to see what could a high-end Series 8 rugged edition look like is this the one with the new design that sort of gets me a little hopeful on something exciting because if last year really was considered a major redesign air quotes there major redesign then i'd expect this year to be basically the same as last year which last year had some very minor improvements so i'm not very hopeful the series 8 is going to pack some huge upgrades unless there's something new with the series 8 rugged edition yeah, no, I never even considered that the rugged model would be a higher end model. I always assumed it would be the cheaper model because it kind of goes in line with Sport, which is what the, originally the aluminum version was called. So you thought you'd think it would be like the lower end model because more people are going to want them. But in a way, it kind of makes sense that maybe the more rugged version would cost more to make and be more fancier in a way, and it's special edition. So I mean, that kind of makes sense. I, I I can see how that that's possible. And then I guess. But if that is the case, then I'm expecting a little bit more from this. I'm expecting some better materials. I'm expecting um, <clears throat> some, actually, I don't know what I'm expecting now that I think about it. Better materials is the only thing I can really think of. Um, I'm trying to think on the spot, like what, besides the actual design of it, what would I want from a rugged model that would make it a premium model rather than a, you know, sport model? And I, I can't actually think of much there now that was... I think about it. <laughs> A rumor. What are the sizes of the Apple Watch now? Is it 45 and 40, wait, uh, 44 and 47? Uh, when you look, because one of the rumors we had heard early on that I'm not sure if it's still relevant is that this rugged edition might have a new screen size option. That there'd be now three size options, but maybe right. the rugged edition would just be one size. But I don't know if I want to go down in size to get a higher end Apple Watch. It's very confusing because 
as the name would suggest, I would assume the Rugged Edition is like a tough, you know, what is, as Samsung calls it, the active line. It's like, you know, ruggedized, like got this gnarly material on there. So if you're rock climbing or going to the beach or you're going extreme, whatever, it's waterproof, dustproof, shockproof. That's what I'd assume it is. But maybe it's going to be called something else. Maybe the Explorer Edition, maybe they call it Explorer Edition. It's like this really nice premium thing that's got something built in. I'm not sure, um, but I wonder if there's going to well, be a third screen size option. Yeah, so I, 45, and I'm trying to look for the smaller one. I can't remember what the smaller one is, but 45 is the big one now, so maybe a 47 or something, uh, and that's your bigger watch. So not, you know, it's not going to be huge, but it definitely will give you more information. Um, I guess maybe some things there that would be interesting are better health tracking features. Yeah. What those are, I'm not exactly sure. Um, body, better body GPS temperature. functionality. Body temperature, that'd be good. That's, That's something coming. that the Aura Ring has yeah. that I think a lot of people have, it's kind of gotten a little bit more mainstream, the Aura Ring, and people are paying attention to that more. So having that in your watch, I think makes a lot of sense. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to do that. Um, uh, uh, something that like the Garmin watches do is they do really good running and cycling and th those types of activities. They're very detailed. That's something a lot of people, because I know um, Alexa, my wife, her cousin does marathons and he has an Apple watch for like every day, but he uses the Garmin for training because it just has way more detail um, in terms of things that actually matter when you care about you know, your results for us who just kind of exercise to stay healthy, then, you know, we don't really care about the minute details, but if you, if you really do care, then the Apple watch isn't sufficient. So maybe it does that. Um, another thing here, I didn't, maybe I missed it, but you just wrote it down. Satellite connectivity. Is that a yeah, rumor? There was a rumor. I'm not sure if it's going to happen this year or if it's just one of those rumors that things are in the works, but there is a rumor that Apple is going to bring the satellite connectivity thing to the Apple watch, which I think is a really good uh, idea well, because yeah, Oh, go ahead. Oh, as I said, for the rugged model, that actually makes a ton yeah. of sense. I would actually buy the rugged model for that um, because I go out. I've talked about this before on the podcast, but we go off-roading. We go camping a lot, and we're often away from signal. And I have a Garmin GPS. Uh, it's called the InReach Mini, and that is a satellite communicator. But if it was built into my watch, I mean, that'd be awesome. I would definitely use that. I mean, too, especially, you know, the LTE Apple Watch is nice, but like I don't have one just because I don't really need the LTE all that often. But it would be nice if in an emergency situation, I had my Apple Watch and no phone that I could make an emergency call or send a message with that right. built in satellite connectivity. And for you, too, it's like maybe you're going to go off road and you don't want to bring your phone. If you know your watch could connect you in case of an emergency, that would be super nice. And that I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but it's in the works. Maybe when... It launches with the iPhone. We'll see it right. launch with Apple that Watch. Was a rumor. Maybe. Yeah. That was a rumor we saw with, was that the iPhone 13? That was last that year, was a rumor. 13. Yeah, so seem, seems like maybe this is something they're at least investigating at the very least. Whether or not we see it anytime soon, I'm not sure. But that would be, yeah, I think that's really what it's for is you're in an emergency situation. There's no signal. You can still contact somebody, whether that's because you're... Well, I don't know. I was going to say if you're underground and satellites, probably not going to work either. But maybe it's because, you know, you're just in a bad signal area, which, um, you know, we've all encountered in one way or another. Or it's because you're somewhere remote where there just is no signal. Then you still have something as a backup. So, yeah, I, I'm totally down for that. Whether you, Even if it's in the iPhone and not the watch, I'm still down for that somewhere. It, having that would be a really cool feature. Something else I'd love to see and maybe... Apple kind of does this, but they could do more is, you know, we wear these things on our wrist every single day. Some people, um, you know, even wear them to bed and sleep with them. They're on, you know, almost 24 hours. 
it would be nice for Apple to do something with that data. And they kind of have like trends in the activity app that you can kind of see stuff and you can go into the health app and see things. But I know that Apple cannot be like giving you medical advice and stuff like that. But it would be cool if there could be recommendations or something based off that data because there's so much data. You have all this activity data. You have heart rate data. You have And Apple does do some stuff with it. They do sort of like, hey, your heart rate is low or did you take a fall or whatever the case may be. But it would be cool to do something with all that historical data, especially for those of us who have had the Apple Watch on our wrist since the beginning in 2015. You're talking about, what, seven years of data? Like, what yeah. could Apple do with that? I'm not sure, and I know that they've got to be careful with what they could recommend, but it would be cool if it's like, hey, um, you should... And see, again, here's another example of me giving advice without a specific example. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's, I just, that's the definition of this show. That's exactly I know, what we, it is. Uh, like, armchair, we should change this, but I don't know what. what. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It just I just think about all that data that they have access to, and you're wearing this, and, all the, and as the Apple Watch gets better, all this biometric data, and being able to use that in some more meaningful way would be cool. I don't know what that is. I've got to think about it. But if you think about it, all that data, all the um, days and weeks and months and years you have this and it's all you know sort of on your phone if you go digging for it, it would be cool if Apple could sort of model that to do something cool. I'm not sure what, maybe that's like predictive stuff. Like maybe it's like, oh, based on your activity, you're going to die at the age of 94. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, but just something with that data would be cool. I got to think about what I, that I would, would be, say- but... Yeah, I would say that that's probably their goal, but they just can't really do that. Like, even if technically there was something in your data that showed some kind of statistical probability that something would happen, first of all, that would be considered medical advice, which they really want to stay away from. Mm -hmm. And then also, it might be wrong, so they would also want to stay away from it. Because what if they mess it up and then, like, you know, it's almost like the Theranos... um, where yeah. you get a, a drop of blood and suddenly they tell you you have cancer. So you go get your chemo treatment and you actually didn't have cancer the entire time. You know, they don't want to be in that situation. So I don't know if they will ever do something like that, or at least not anytime soon. But it seems like that's kind of their goal. Maybe maybe their goal is let the watch have all the sensors and then third parties can do that. Mm. So they partner with, you know, doctors. They partner with, you know, Stanford to do these medical research studies. You know, maybe that's their goal instead of them actually giving you things. Maybe there's an app that you can install from a third party that uses all these sensors, but they do it. And maybe that is your doctor or something. I I could see that being more likely. It'd be cool if they, like, gave, like, and again, this is hard because Apple with their sharing practices is very touchy, but... If you could authorize, hey, this is my healthcare provider, this is my doctor's office, I want to give them access to this Apple Watch data, and then they can be the ones analyze it. Can you? They always talk about it, but I don't know if it's it's just specific hospitals or specific studies, but I know I was in, um, you know, they had that uh, open heart study I think you could do a while ago, and that's kind of cool, and that's what will be so cool is like, hey, the doctor's office calls, like, hey, I noticed with your Apple Watch, this, this, and this. I know some people hate that idea, but I think that'd be super cool, sort of having that peace of mind, knowing that I'm wearing this anyways, and sort of my uh, vitals, or as much of the vitals of mine that could be captured by the watch, sort of are being tracked and monitored by health professionals. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, I'll have to look into that more, but I think there is a way to share some data with a health professional. Um, but I agree, that would be very cool. That, that's kind of what I'm saying, like, Apple themselves isn't doing it. They're just providing you the sensors and then someone else is analyzing the data. I think that makes a lot more sense. Um, Or even if like, I guess another way to do it maybe is, okay, Apple notices some kind of weird trend, which they kind of do now. So like your heart rate is rapid or you have like an ECG or or what do they call it? Um, Arrhythmia or something like that. So they, they tell you that, but it doesn't 
like there's nothing they could do about it, right? But maybe instead of just telling you, it sends it to the doctor and then they can analyze that data and say, yeah, yeah, there's something weird here. Come see me or, you know, something like that. But I, I almost feel like they already do that. So and I have to look into that more. It's hard to argue too with the results. Like I've read countless stories of people who have fallen, people who have had heart issues, whatever the case may be, and their Apple Watch warned them and like their lives were saved because of um, what the Apple Watch could do, even though there was not too long ago that controversial um, commercial where the people were using their Apple Watch and I forgot what the backlash was, but it made it seem like if they didn't have the Apple Watch, they would die, which in some cases that is actually the truth. Like the Apple Watch did save their life. Um, but it is really cool to sort of know that if you're wearing this, if you do take a hard fall, if you do have some kind of weird abnormal thing with your heart, that the Apple Watch can pick up on that that will be monitored. That's cool. And I think, you know, with, um, going back to the body temperature, it would be kind of nice to be like, Hey, like if I have a fever, my watch should pick it up and I should get an alert about it. Like just knowing that is sort of working in the background. That's super cool. And I do enjoy just knowing like if I have an elevated heart rate or something like that is wrong, my watch will alert me to that. Super, super cool. And some peace of mind in there that I think doesn't get enough credit. So like Yeah, it. and I just look I just looked it up and you can already do this with your doctor. It's through the iPhone, not through the watch, but it's through mm-hmm. the health app. And your watch connects to the health app. So it's the same thing. Uh so you can share your data such as health rate, exercise minutes, hours of sleep, lab results, and heart health notifications with your doctors. Doctors view the data in a dashboard in their health record systems, only in the US, um, and only ones that support the health app and mm. share the share the data. So you can actually share this data with your doctor if they approve that, which maybe my doctor does, but I've never asked about it. Maybe I should. <laughs> I got to turn that on. I mean, that's, that's super cool. And I feel like it's like one of those things that's like mentioned at a keynote that like no one remembers, but that's super cool. So there you go. Apple Watch. So, I mean, we've talked about it before. Apple Watch is a fantastic product that if it broke tomorrow, I'd buy one. I, I have it on my wrist every single day, and it's just a lot of cool things it does well, and there are some limitations, but uh, the pros definitely outweigh the cons for uh, Apple Watch. Um, Matt, any other software things or any other sort of tidbits of news before we get into our, our last topic about the display? Uh, yes. Well, no. Well, yes. <laughs> I just looked up in the health app, like for the health centers around me. There's a lot. So I gotta, I gotta check this out. This is kind of cool. I gotta I, look I, into yeah. this now. So I gotta look into it. Um, but no, let's go into the display. You had some, uh, some thoughts about the display. Well, yeah, actually I, a I couple... kind of, I can kind of preempt it real quick. Yes. Uh, we were, we've been debating, uh, in our kind of group chat, whether or not the pro display or sorry, whether or not the studio display is worth it over the Pro Display XDR because we all want the Pro Display XDR, but you know it's a lot of money. So you know we're we're going back and forth debating this, and I don't have the Studio Display anymore. I decided not to keep it for a bunch of reasons, which we can talk about at some other point. But you know we we have, we that led us down the rabbit hole of looking at used options for the XDR and also just new options. And one, if you want a brand new XDR right now, you're not going to get it till mid-May at the earliest, which is a, quite a while to wait. So that means Apple's not making that many, <laughs> presumably. But if you want a used one, you're only saving like 500 bucks. Like the deals are very few and far between. So there's some questions there. But yeah, go ahead. What was your thinking on this? Well, I just, it was interesting because we're kind of, like you said, we're talking about the displays and, you know, there's a whole argument about is the studio display great, is it not, and, you know, Pro Display XDR is so good, but it's interesting that, you know, Apple products are known for holding their value very well, even relatively old Apple products and relatively expensive Apple products, but I feel like the Pro Display XDR is a little different because a couple of interesting factors here. One is that 
people who bought them, they are expensive, but they love them. And there's not a whole lot for sale, which means the ones that are for sale really are selling for almost brand new. And it's interesting how, you know, this product that's now, what, a few years old is still a very good investment because it's still retaining a lot of its, you know, original uh, value. Just kind of interesting how, I don't know where I was going with this whole point. I I thought it was interesting how it's held its value so well. And there's the debate about Pro Display XDR versus Studio Display. And if we'll see something in the middle, um... I uh, I'm with you, Matt. That I'd love to get a Protus by XDR, but the price is just outrageous. And it's, it's just, it'd be nice yeah. if you know if you could find one. I think you even mentioned too, like when the studio displays get around a thousand bucks used, that's going to be just those are things are going to sell like yeah. hotcakes on eBay or on the, on yep. the um, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, whatever it is. But with Protus by XDR, there just are no deals to be had. Which every Apple product, maybe not the Mac Pro, but everything else, there's always like a deal to be had. With Protoss by XDRs, they're such a hot commodity that you are usually paying top dollar to get one and a very, very small discount if you want to buy it used. Yeah, so like the the cheapest I saw one was like $4,500 and that came with a stand, I'm pretty sure. So that was actually a pretty good deal, um, but I just wasn't ready to spend $4,500 on a display. So I didn't didn't obviously buy that. Um, but now that one is gone. And now the cheapest you can find on all of eBay is like $5,000, which is not that, I think that come, I think that came with the stand. So it's like $500 off basically. It, it wasn't very, very good of a discount. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's tough. I, I'm hoping, well, it's, I'm also, I also have all these issues where like when the new one comes out, well, I'm not going to want the old one anymore, even though those will probably go on sale for cheaper. So <laughs> it, there's just a no win scenario. I just have to figure out a way to be able to spend $5,000 on a Is monitor. Is the sweet spot a 27 inch mini LED studio display pro? Is that the sweet spot? Is it, what's the issue? Is it the resolution? Is it the size? What is it about, uh, what is it about pro display that's so much better? Um, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a size and brightness. I like the HDR functionality. I don't use it obviously every day, but I do use it. Um, Oh, speaking of there's this app that came out, which it was, uh, this might've been last week, but it's called vivid. Basically it lets you override the the, um, the MacBook pro and the pro display XDRs, um, 600 nit limit for uh the brightness of the display now should you do this you know that's that's up to you do it at your own risk but basically it lets you use the full thousand nits all the time for anything (laughs) you're doing and it's so bright i had to turn it off because it was too bright but when you're going outside or something that is excellent um but basically being able to do that kind of stuff on an xdr display or a hdr display rather uh is something that i like and i like watching content in hdr that's one of the reasons why i watch um you know, shows and movies on my iPad a lot is because I like having that HDR experience. Um, but the, the thing is, it's like, okay, I like the 30 and two inch size. I like the 6k, the 6k resolution. I like the HDR, but is it worth $5,000? And right now the answer is just no. So I'm just stuck in this limbo, but at the same time, the studio display, is it worth $1,600? No. So it's like I'm just stuck in this limbo place where I'm just using what I have, which is fine. I mean, we don't always have to upgrade everything, but it's just, you know, we're, we're in stuck in the middle here. It's like also like people always talk about, oh, you can get an OLED TV because you do. I think you buy like what a 46 inch LG OLED for yeah. like 1800 bucks and you know that. Which I've thought about that doing that too. What but, about, I guess yeah. here's the question. Would you rather have a, that uh, LG OLED, which is 43 inches for 1800 bucks or a studio display for 1600. Cause the other thing with the TV is like technically it's not supposed to be used as a monitor, but plenty of people yeah. do it. 
I wonder what I think is I'd actually better get, at that I'd probably point. get this. I'd probably get the studio display just because of the f- compatibility 5K. and the functionality. It just, yeah. you know, it's going to work. It, I don't have to worry about it. The 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 OLED TVs, we they've been out for a little bit now. So we've seen people like Linus who did updates of crazy burn-in and all that kind of stuff. It's like, do I really want to mess with all that when I could just get a, for a very similar price, I can get a, it, the studio display is great. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's just the price. So it's like, if I'm already spending that money, I think I'd still get the studio display, but... I don't know. I go I go back and forth with all this stuff. Once this is what I said. Once I see a deal for a Pro Display XDR panel only, that's all I need. I'll go vase amount. I'll buy it myself. <laughs> I don't care. That's fine with me. But give me the panel for thirty seven hundred bucks. I think I'll buy it. I think that's, that's a good deal. worth it for me. Yeah. I mean, it's still a lot of money. But to be fair, we look at these displays all day, every day. So having something that's really high quality, I think is worth it. And for the foreseeable future, there probably won't be an update to either. The Proto right, XDR exactly. will get an update eventually, but probably not within the next, maybe within maybe within the next 12 months, but not anytime before that. And then the Studio Display that's just came out, so I probably wouldn't expect a Pro version or an update until at least a year from now. So you're sort of just like, like you said, you're stuck in this limbo because if you want something, you got to wait for a deal because nothing is going to change with the market in the next year when the new one comes out maybe see that thing is maybe that'll cause people to sell the pro displays they've got or maybe they're just going to hold on to them and just not upgrade it just it, there's so much uncertainty that that's really tough so you just don't know so you just got to look on ebay and find a deal and like you said when you find a deal you got to jump on it because they're they're few yeah. and far between yeah but this is i mean we'll probably we'll keep you updated um one of us one of these days i'm sure we'll end up with a pro display in some shape in some way, shape, or form. It will happen. It's just a matter of when. But yeah, I'm definitely not going to buy anything before WWDC just to be safe. And then after that, I'll I'll probably feel safe to do something because I I just don't think they're going to announce it in the fall. Um, no, no way. I, I, it just doesn't make much sense because the only way that would happen is if they announced like, the Mac Pro with it. And then that means they would be announcing the M2 and the M2 Extreme at the same time, which is kind of weird. I don't think they're going to do that. So I think if they don't do it at WWDC, I'm going to feel confident that if a really good deal pops up, I can snag the XDR and not feel too, you know, icky about it. It's still going to be a lot of money, but I think I can I can live with myself. <laughs> I'm curious, do any of you guys watching or listening to the podcast, uh, okay, even speak, this podcast right now, do you guys own an XDR? Do you have a Protospec XDR to use it? Let us know in the comments uh, what you like about it and what you don't like about it. Of course, that number is 949-354-3508 or leave a comment on this video. Curious uh, for those of you out there who own it, why'd you buy it? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Because I see I go on the Mac setup subreddit and there are plenty oh, of people out there who are balling out with pro that. displays or multiple <laughs> ones and they're so... People have the nice setups. I look at that and I'm like, man, I need... I have an absolute mess of a desk with a hodgepodge <laughs> of things. I got to get rid of this iMac. It's a waste of space. It just... People do such a good job with their desk setups. So anyways, let hey, us wait. know. You're you're uh you're moving, right? So you're gonna have an I office. I am moving. Again? You're gonna have I'm gonna office. have I'm gonna redo, yeah, I'm gonna have the office and I'm All gonna right. now's the time. Maybe now, not pro no, well, display, but you gotta clean it up a little. Well that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think I'm going to get rid of the iMac because all I use the iMac for is Twitter. I just, you can't see it. It's out of frame, but I have uh, <laughs> basically just Twitter this. up all the time. It's got horrible screen burn. And this is a 2014 iMac now, so it's considered vintage. Uh, and it's just it's just like a waste of space and a waste of energy. Like I, it's, I don't know what the power consumption is, but I know that I don't need to have this just for Twitter. 
Um, so I got to get rid of that. And yeah, I want to do some sprucing up and redo the desk a little bit. I like the peripherals. I like the monitors I've got. I've got, you know, the, the BenQ that we've talked about before, which is a good monitor. Mm-hmm. I've got this Samsung, um, their AirPlay monitor. I don't know what it's called. It's a fine monitor, uh, kind of vertically mounted. I like the vertical setup, but maybe some desk changes coming or at least in the next two weeks, uh, my background should look a little bit different. So uh, stay tuned for all that stuff. Uh, of course, again, hotline number 949-354-3508. Drop us a line, question, comment, feedback. We want to hear from you guys. And Matt, anything else before we put the uh, kibosh on this one for this week? No, that's it. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.